Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Arbury Road podcast. Let me first of all remember you that Arbury Road is a European progressive think tank, which deals with politics at the European level, and that our goal is to contribute to the discussion of a European progressive agenda. I remember you also that Arbury Road is a grassroots project, which lives thanks to the effort of its volunteers, and that every donation can really make a difference. So if you can, please donate. You can do it uh, uh, in our website, which is www.arbryroad.eu. The topic of today is a minimum wage, a hot topic of discussion at the European level. And to discuss it here with me, there are two of the co-founders of Arbury Road, Catherine Rogers, PhD student in political science at Lund University in Sweden. How are you, Catherine? Good, thanks. It's great to have you. And uh, Arturo Bjorklund Winters, member of the Italian German Social Democrats, who is really active in uh, the German SPD, and uh, currently in Brussels, where he's following the discussion on minimum wage uh, at the European level. It's a pleasure to have you here, Arturo. Thank you. The same is for me, as always, with Arbury. So, uh, I would start the discussion uh, with Catherine, and I would ask you if you can give us a little bit of uh, definition. So, all these questions we're going to, are going to be more of a um, stimulus for the discussion, and then we can debate on them. But first mm -hmm. of all, I would start by clarifying a little bit what we mean with the minimum wage. There is a lot of talking now, uh, nowadays uh, about minimum wage, but there are also a lot of other different instruments. Uh, and there is a little bit of confusion, generally speaking. Uh, for example, we talk about universal basic income, UBI, about uh, a minimum wage, but also living wage, subsistence wage, and all these instruments are different and uh, respond to different concepts. So Catherine, if you can give us a clear definition of minimum wage and perhaps the cl uh, clarify a little bit what the goal of minimum wage is and how it differs from other instruments. Okay, so a, a minimum wage is a, an instrument or a law that regulates the, the lowest level of remuneration or pay that a, that a worker can legally receive from their employer for their labor. So it affects the distribution of market income. Um, and I say that because this is what makes a minimum wage different from other types of uh, welfare policies or, or, or instruments that have similar goals, which are to reduce inequality and improve the material well-being of workers. Um, other types of, of welfare policies might be government transfers or, or welfare payments that are made to people who, who aren't able to work full-time for, for whatever reason. And these have similar goals, but they're, they're uh, funded by taxation. They're transfers from the government kind of made to redistribute income after market earnings and taxation, whereas a minimum wage is regulating that initial distribution uh, of market income. Um, in yeah. terms of, mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned the UBI, I guess that's worth, or a universal basic income. Mm -hmm. I guess it's worth distinguishing between um, a minimum wage and a UBI and other types of welfare, welfare policies too, right? Because a UBI is funded from, from taxation. It's a payment from, from the government, not from employers. Um, but it's slightly different again, I would say, from um, 
other types of welfare payments in that it's not necessarily supposed to be redistributive. Uh, a universal basic income is the idea of paying a flat basic level of income to all citizens um, on the basis of citizenship. We don't have to forget that uh, this idea actually comes from the neoliberal uh, economists, uh, not from socialists. Yeah. So definitely it has not to be put equal on a redistributive policy, because if you get all yeah. services saying then everybody has, gets the money he needs, you have an extreme neoliberal idea of state. Mm. Yeah. And indeed, uh, what I think is common to this kind of policies and to this kind of instrument is that uh, in, it, in, them, in itself, they are not necessarily uh, redistributive or not like right, they, they still make a redistribution, but it depends really how they are used uh, within the general welfare system. So that is a really important thing to, to clarify. Mm. Um, yeah. And um, so going on on this direction, what we can discuss a little bit is uh, uh, perhaps Arturo, you can give us a little bit of a hint of the discussion that is happening in uh, Brussels in this moment. Uh, there is a been a lot of debating in the last months. Uh, there is the social democratic proposal uh, on the table, which is the great shift, if I'm not wrong, isn't it? Yeah, there is the great shift. But before going on the great shift, because the great shift is more about um, it's a vision um, of the socialists and Democrats. There is an uh, independent research group uh, um, trying to define what is a social democratic politics for the next decade. Mm -hmm. And uh, they published a paper named The Great Shift, where they tried, uh, where they actually present how interconnected the environmental and the social questions are and trying to develop a vision for a social, social democratic uh, policy for the next uh, 20 years. Um, and one component of this vision as you correctly said, Paco, it's not one measure. It's always, it's a vision. It's an ensemble of uh, solutions that uh, really can ensure a good welfare system. One uh, part of this puzzle is actually a minimum wage. And um, I would like to start from Germany, actually, and the situation in Europe as it is now, um, because there are two parts of uh, minimum two possibilities for the minimum wage, as Catherine was saying. The one is very much present in the northern country, is the collective bargaining minimum wage, and the other one is the statutory minimum wage. Let's say two words about it. The statutory minimum wage is when the state decides that there is a certain price per hour, um, a wage per hour, that cannot be uh, diminished. Um, in Germany, there is a strong tradition, as in Italy or in Denmark or in Sweden, of uh, trade unions. So it came only late. Uh, lately, there was they, there was a shift from collective bargaining to this minimum wage. This was achieved and was one of the conditions for one of the great coalition with Angela Merkel of the Social Democrats. Um, I think 2013, 2014, it was actually then introduced. Uh, or maybe 2015 even at 9.60 60 was at the beginning. Now with one of the uh, proposals of the social democrats in Germany was to hide it to 12 euro 40, because considering also pension and so on, that's the threshold for poverty. So now that's a little bit the history in Germany, a country that changed from a system based only on collective bargaining where the trade unions uh, decided a, a minimum wage for each branch of economy to a statuary, so given by state. Why? 
because we live in a world that changes very fast and you can see it with all the new platform platforms and uh, sub workers it's much more difficult to define group categories uh, where you can really bargain um, you can think of Deliveroo or all these platform platforms and having such a, a statuary uh, wage is actually a, a, a new tool. Now, worldwide, one of the best, the highest, uh, highest uh, um, minimum wages uh, also related to the power, uh, to, to the uh, average of wages is France. France is a very advanced social state in many perspectives. And in France, it's so that around 60, uh, that uh, if you take the median of wages and 60% of it, that's the minimum wage of France. And that could be a good threshold for the whole of Europe. Because we have we are in a we have a common market without common protections or too few, which means social dumping. And now I start stopping because I'm speaking too much. <laughs> but the idea is uh, actually having, uh, uh, as we had the European semester, putting uh, standards for the fiscal policy, where there were goals set by the Commission and the state had to abide, and they were basically made uh, mean for imposing austerity policy. To do the same now with the social Europe. And avoiding social dumping, you could do by inserting in the uh, European semester the goals of having minimum wage that protect and fulfill some prerequisites, for example, protecting from poverty, which is more or less the 60% uh, uh, average uh, uh, key number that I was uh, quoting. And we had an important vote because the ample committee, the committee for a social question in the European Co uh, committee, two weeks ago, last week, uh, voted about a draft for this proposal and it was uh, accepted. So that's a little bit uh, the situation. And uh, well, I like, but we will have plenty. Sorry, can you clarify, Arturo, 60%, what that does mean concretely, uh, just for the listener? So 60%. 60% of the median. I mean, it's a way that the mm -hmm. question is uh, which uh, numbers, it's a little bit technical in a sense, but uh, mm -hmm. we have the, the different, uh, we have a great heterogeneity as in all countries, also in the USA, it is like that um, between regions in Europe, which means if we put a statuary, if we would think of putting a statuary minimum wage for the whole of Europe, it wouldn't work because 10 euros in, uh, of course. that's the reality, 10 euros in, in Greek is not 10 euro in, in, in uh, in the northern of Germany. And so the idea is uh, to orient it uh, to the average or to the, to the wages. And the idea is to take 60% of the median of uh, the uh, wages in that country. That is, was the proposal of the trade unions and on the European scale. The formulation that you find now in the drafts uh, uh, used in the European institution is more uh, that it has to provide a decent life uh, uh, and be up above the threshold of poverty. But these are different ways in which you can frame a number you have to find that, that has to be relative to the situation in the country. That's brilliant. Uh, so coming to this proposal, uh, I heard there has been uh, though a little bit of uh, opposition, especially there are a few countries uh, uh, which despite being some of the countries uh, which historically where welfare state uh, have been invented uh, or at least experimented in the first phase uh, are not completely agreeing with these new uh, instruments and uh, i'll move to you catherine because uh, you are of course uh, first of all in, uh, in sweden right now which is one of these countries uh, which has a really powerful universalist uh, welfare 
and it's still considered nowadays probably the most advanced uh, system in the world, at least one of one of the most advanced. So, but uh, Sweden is one of these countries that uh, opposes the minimum wage a little bit. Uh, let's remember uh, again for the listener that in the European Union there are currently six member states which do not employ a minimum wage. These are these are uh, Austria, Cyprus, Denmark, Finland, Sweden, and Italy. And again, many of these countries offer a really good system uh, of welfare protection uh, and of worker uh, protection of workers' rights. Uh, some of these uh, countries against Sweden in particular oppose the minimum wage. And the argument here is a little bit that uh, it would uh, undermine the process of collective bargaining. So something uh, like setting a minimum wage would mean that uh, you cannot reach higher wages and it would also uh, weaken the power of the trade unions. What do you think, Catherine? How do we answer to this? Uh, is it a concrete risk? Yeah, I mean that's that's the from 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 my reading of the of the position of the unions. That's their their argument is that it would weaken their bargaining position because there would be this relatively low minimum wage that's lower than the wages that they would you know like to like to bargain for. So it would give the employers associations more leverage in these in these discussions, right? Um, and workers would end up, you know, with lower wages. The, the minimum wage would have the opposite effect, because workers get, you know, earning less than than they would have they would have otherwise. But I guess the the thing that um that I find uh, counterintuitive or, or or troubling about this argument is that the employers' associations also oppose the minimum wage, even though the, the unions are saying, well, we oppose it because it's it's you know it's going to give the employers more power. But the employers' associations also oppose it. Um, you know, they're the ones who are supposed to win from getting a minimum wage, right? So I think the situation really is, uh, I mean, it's more of a, maybe it's to, to preserve power, but it's also an ideological position, which is that minimum wage or the wa wages are not a matter for the central state. They're not a matter for a European institution. This should be decided uh, by employers associations and by, and by unions, you know, among themselves. And, and I think those organizations want to want to preserve their, their power to do that independently, right, uh, in, in the corporatist tradition. So how do we answer to that? I mean, if we take, if we take, for, if we take, take them at the idea that this would reduce the bargaining power of trade unions, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that, right? It's a, it's a minimum wage, not a maximum, and there's still a, bargaining, a bargain to be had, and unions still have a great deal of power in, in, you know, in countries like Sweden. From um, you know, from historical institutionalization of these of these systems over time, unionization rates have gone down a lot in Sweden, as they have everywhere. Uh, you know, since the 1980s or 1990, uh, but still, the vast majority of workers here, you know, have access to to a um, collectively negotiated wage. Uh... It's a good moment uh, where we can advertise a little bit future podcasts because we should also interview a member of European Parliament from the Social Democratio, um, so the Danish uh, Social Democrats, and uh, we plan actually also to touch about um, this uh, topic. And uh, as Catherine was uh, describing, the the Scandinavians, basically Danish and the, and Swedish Social Democrats. But also the, the parties on the left of social democrats driven by the trade unions are very much against it. Um, 
I agree to all the reasons that uh, Catherine uh, gave. I would just add one more. Um, since we have the treaties, in the treaties, um, the social rights are not in the forefront. It's more about the common market. And there were um, actually decisions taken in the past by the Court of Justice, the most famous are the Viking case and the LaSalle case, where uh, economical freedoms and, and, and uh, um, was uh, the economical freedoms were given actually superiority over social rights. And uh, this is a little bit, I think these were traumatizing experiences, uh, especially for countries uh, with uh, strong social systems. And the fear now is that uh, taking the competence or putting to the European semester that has been an instrument of neoliberal politics in the past, taking this into an European competence uh, could lead to the same failures that we had in the past. Mm. Now, the fact that the German social democrats, as all the other social democrats supported that, and that the, only the far right voted against that proposal in the European Parliament, let me doubt if these worries are rationalized or it is simply a traumata um, or a strong uh, union with the trade unions that uh, leads to these positions. Um, however, even in the draft now approved by EMPOL, um, there is a there is really the try and there is also, it's written also in the, in the press, in press statement given um, that it's not to substitute collective bargaining. And if the collective bargaining minimum wage works good, then it should be not replaced. There is no obligation to do a statuary one. Mm. So actually the, the, if you read at least the press statement, I have not read all the draft of the law as for all of us, the time is always uh, the tricky thing in life. Uh, but uh, there seems to be really a try to uh, have this, this, this close to make all, all person participating satisfied. I don't see, um, again, I'm not an expert about, uh, um, about low European law. I've not studied that. I'm a theoretical physicist or an engineer, depending on the views. So it's not my field, but uh, as far as I could follow the political discussion and the press statements and uh, the voting behavior in the European Parliament uh, um, and knowing that the Danish and Swedish social democrats in the last five years have shown uh, that their social policy understanding often ends at the border. We've seen it, especially in immigration policy. I might doubt that also in this, uh, they are driven a little bit by nationalistic fears instead of uh, rational thoughts. What do you think, Catherine? Uh, well, coming back, you already gave your impression on this, but what about the 60% uh, on the median? Do you agree with that? Like, do you think that is a good measurement? Do you think? I mean, if we're, if we're talking about uh, alleviating, alleviating poverty, sure. But the thing that concerns me about it, or that I wonder, you know, if I were to imagine what's a good minimum wage policy for Europe, mm -hmm. I think the goal should be not just to alleviate poverty everywhere, but to you know, to start to equalize the, the living standards of people across Europe, right? And this policy, while it makes it, you know, quite implementable for every nation, every member state, it means that uh, the purchasing power of people on minimum wage in, you know, in, um, uh, in Hungary is, is going to be much, much lower than that of people in the Netherlands. And that won't change. I mean, that's already the case. Mm -hmm. And that won't change with this kind of measure. So 
I wonder whether I want, I mean, maybe this is about the package of mechanisms, right? This is just one mechanism. Maybe we don't need to design a European minimum wage in a level, in, in a way to try to, uh, you know, to try to achieve this goal. But I, I think it's an opportunity to, to do so, right? I, I think actually the minimum wage is not an instrument for convergence in itself. It's convergence upward in the sense that you start to put common uh, standards also regarding the last in the society. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's a step forward also in that perspective. But of course, there are also economical mechanisms for which you can enforce the same minimum wage everywhere mm -hmm. as it is now, because this attractivity that is given by economical regions, I mean, we can't deny completely that there is a kind of feedback mechanism in free market where if uh, the workforce uh, costs less and uh, the life also costs less, uh, firms or, or business will move a little bit into it. The question is, mm. how far do we want to cooperate with market mechanism and how far do we want to stir them? Mm -hmm. And I think that this could be a first path in the direction of a convergence for the poorest, still mm. leaving space for market convergence. But I think people, I mean, when we, when we talk about raising the minimum wage in a country that's not part of Europe, in a place like New Zealand or wherever, pe people can speak about how, well, we can't raise it because in certain parts of the country, that's going to be very challenging for local businesses, right? And I think if we think about Europe as a union, as one place where we're, if, if we think about our vision of a more united Europe and a more democratic and federalist Europe, then we should think of different countries not as, you know, completely different markets, as I mean, they're not. They're, they're not. It's a common market, right? But they're. But I mean, I, I, I think. I think there is an argument for having a minimum wage that is more consistent across, more consistent. And I mean, you know, in in its ultimate level, not just in proportion to the average wages, yeah. right? Because it it is one mechanism for you know setting a more uh, uniform minimum for all Europeans to be to be living yeah. at, right? And I mean, in Italy, they make the same criticism. No, when you talk about a minimum wage, they say no. But the north is really different from the south. Now, Italy is one of the places where actually there is more probably divergence in Europe. So mm. uh, it might even make sense as an argument. But the point being, like perhaps a distinction should be made at least between the euro area, where you de facto have a you know similar economies. You have a, a common currency which affects the whole economic performance of the country. Mm. So treating them still as different country from this point perspective, I mean, I'm not sure if right now a minimum wage in Greece and Germany, the same minimum wage makes sense, but I think the goal at least, at least in the Euro area should be of convergence in the next yeah. five to 10 years because we suffer. And that's it, why, why not over time? You mm -hmm. know? But you then I, I, I think it's not, I think this solution proposed at the moment with benchmark, with the benchmark system being relative um, is actually achieving exactly this because in the moment where we have a convergence of the economy, we have a convergence of the minimum wage. So in the moment mm -hmm. where all the economies have the same strengths, they have the same minimum wage. Um, it's just a way to try to avoid uh, to cut the, the you know the legs of the of the countries uh, starting to stand on their own. Um, although this this uh, metaphor is very bad because every country in the European Union can stand off its own uh, legs. So, uh, but I, I think I, I you had the idea of what I was intending. However, 
very shortly we, we arrive to the point and that's what about the great shift we have that's not only about wages poverty uh, the, the the more weaker or the weaker or not but the more economically weaker part of the population will be affected also most by climate change and uh, i mean having a common area and there will always be area who benefits more and other who loses because it's a common market. Of course, you know, there some maybe find, find a goal, the other find not, and then all, my, all the, the, the companies move to where there is gold or something like that. So there are always regional imbalances. And if we have this common market, we need also common investment policy, policy exactly to avoid it. And that's these three points is what this, this proposal of the social democrats or this proposal, it's an internal party actually paper at the moment, but tries to connect the, the question of environment, uh, environment, social policy, and they are connected to a common uh, European fiscal and economic policy because we knew it exactly for what Catherine was saying. As long as we have not instrument to invest really also in other countries, there will be no convergence. That was also T Stiglitz in his book, The Euro, explained very well also analyzing the last 10 years. It's exactly what it's not. It's the, the euro has not brought up to a convergence for every country. In some cases, it's even divergent. So we need a common investment. And if we have such a framework, then the minimum wage, also based on benchmarking, works exactly as as you uh, were saying. So I agree. Mm -hmm. We need a common package, and we need a common vision. And not only social democrats, but also with greens left as progressive in Europe. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And. I mean, for sure, right at this, in this moment, a common minimum wage is not probably feasible in terms of, you know, in Bulgaria, I believe the, the, the average wage is uh, around, uh, I think it's the country where the average wage is lower and is around four to 500 euros. The minimum so, wage is, I think, the lowest, yeah. yeah. As far as I can so remember. it would make sense to, you know, have a minimum wage of 1,000 euros, let's say, which is what is proposed right now in Italy uh, for Bulgaria. Uh, but I, I think it's important to have also the idea of a convergence and of inserting the minimum wage into a general path towards uh, uh, the creation of similar conditions in all the countries. Before moving to that, uh, uh, well, we don't have much time, but I want also, perhaps we should address a little bit also the objection which are made. Uh, we, we talk about the objection within the progressive world, perhaps talk a little bit also about the objection from the um, more like neoliberal perspective. I don't like the objection. <laughs> yeah, I know, but like, you know. Uh, let's, have, let's have a talk about it. Anyway. To, to reply, exactly. <laughs> it was just joking, just joking, Paco. <laughs> uh, exactly. Well, you, you, for example, Arturo, are in Germany, which is, you know, one of the countries which historically was the, where the neoliberal, uh, but or the liberal uh, fought the German or, or the liberal fought developed and. Uh, but we can uh, say the same for socialism. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> it's not to, to say that uh, Germany is not, uh, uh, I mean, the, the SPD is definitely perhaps the most important uh, socialist movement uh, uh, as well in the uh, German history. But uh, uh, the, the point was just that, uh, in part, austerity, you know, as a concept, has its basis in the order liberal thought. So the idea that you need to really control inflation, that you need to keep actually the wages not as much low, but uh, flexible. So not being set like as instrument like a minimum wage, for example, uh, as partially being uh, opposed not by these uh, the, the so-called falks in the within the the German uh, in Germany and in Europe. 
Uh, so the, the argument here is that, again, uh, a minimum wage would, for example, increase inflation, would uh, diminish the capital for investment, or again, for example, would cause uh, capitals to fly away, to go abroad and uh, to invest uh, in another country. How do we answer to this? Uh, you want to? I mean, I think this this yeah. argument is, is based on the idea that capitalists redirect most profits into into production, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Which is know, that, not the case. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we have Piketty to thank for that, right? Uh, yeah. We have we have uh, good evidence that that this is not the case. There obviously is a concentration of. And oh, that's well. why it's also good uh, politics, also from an economic point of view, um, to have a minimum wage because it has a redistributive character. And we know that people that have to spend to survive are going to spend the money and not to put them in a bank uh, or in something where people will not see it anymore and it will not benefit the people as a whole. So it has also an economic advantage to do it. Uh, um, Moreover, I think that uh, we have, and I think this is happening, with these assumptions, these axioms of neoliberal economy, where there is always a place where somebody can move. I think there are being questions. Um, it started and, uh, with, with Trump, in a way. Trump was the first real critic to neoliberalism, globalism, to this globalism of saying, but now we see it flooded everywhere with Corona at the latest. We know that there are some things that we can't simply leave to the global free market. For example, the, um, the industry, the key industry for sanitary equipment, for example, the mask, we have seen it. So it's mm -hmm. not that we can always allow us. I, I don't think the states, and if you look at the USA, for example, they built also the rich them um, with protectionism at the beginning, with the Monroe Doctrine and so on. I think it's not the solution to say we need a giant market as big as it is. I think we really need also to think as a state which industries are key for having a happy society. The goal, it's not the goal, the goal cannot be having the biggest market as possible and the freest market as possible. The goal should be to having the highest well-being possible. And in that perspective, I think there are also some industries that has to, to stay in our states, the rule. And then it's not so easy to say um, they go away. Moreover, everyone wants to be in the European market. I mean, the European market is, you can do good money, you can live well. I mean, that is a luck we have. We have a strong bargaining position as common market. I mean, hopefully it's becoming a model and that's what uh, we, we open, not that much Europe, but like the uh, fairer society where you have redistribution. I love that uh, the proposal of a global tax uh, that has been made recently by the European Union together with the United States. Uh, I think it's a really would be a really good start to limit this problem of the capitals going in uh, reason in regions where there are lower income. And another thing that there is also an historical contingency, like you know, there is an historical moment in the past 15 years we actually are suffering from the opposite problem, which is a little bit of deflation or really low inflation. And actually, the, the, the European economy, I believe, was kept uh, basically frozen, frozen for, 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 for a while. Like, uh, actually, it's uh, artificially low now, the, the level of the wages. So I believe that in this historical moment, in particular, a stimulation of consumption of, of the wages is really important. Okay, we're running out of time. Do you want to close with the final thought about uh, how, again, the minimum wage, so it's a priority, but how 
perhaps uh, uh, Catherine, you, I know you need to go, uh, but like, how would you, you, once we get the minimum wage, what is the next step? What would be in your opinion? I mean, uh, somewhere between the minimum rate wage and uh, seizing the means of production, I guess, is uh, democratizing uh, the European Union. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these things, a lot, a lot of these mechanisms that would be wonderful to see at a European level to help talk about convergence are very difficult politically to do when, you know, kind of nationally specific uh, existing institutions and things like this affect the way that the council is going to deal with whatever types of proposals. So a fully, I, I think, uh, yeah, a fully democratizing the, the European Union then helps with a lot of these problems. I remember to the listener that Catherine talks at personal level. Uh, Arbury Road yeah. does not approve the sizing of the means of production yet. Arturo, <laughs> you want to also uh, close? Well, you already spoke about this, uh, like in the sense of uh, a very broad picture. I did indeed, so that's why now I will not uh, speak of the very broad uh, picture, but of the very small picture. I think the next steps. Uh, well, the most important is uh, getting uh, making advertisement for Arbury Road because as voice of the European Progressive, we can make the change uh, for European politics Perfect. toward a uh, sustainable and social politics. But very to be very concrete, we need to check that uh, minimum wage directive will be also applied if there are uh, minimum wages. But the same, what Catherine was saying about the difference within Europe. It's an important was already the directive about having earning the same money as the people working there. So the same money for the same work. And um, mm -hmm. that was already, that was a directive that was already approved in the previous legislative. We need a labor authority in Europe. The European Labor Authority was now established, I think 2019, in July, July 2019. Um, but we need really to give money to this authority, give means to this authority to really check that there is no social dumping, no structural social dumping as it is taking now in, in uh, taking place now in many sectors. So what we need is not only to having the laws, but having an authority being able to check that these laws are applied. Thank you so much, Arturo. I definitely agree. And I think the discussion was uh, really good. And uh... We should probably relaunch with another podcast soon uh, discussing the labor market more in general, not only uh, about minimum wage. I think it uh, could be really interesting. Okay, that's all for today. Uh, thank you for, li uh, for listening. And I uh, remember you that you can support Arbury Road on the website www.arburyroad.eu and write to us like if you are interested in joining the team. Arbury Road is always open to everyone. Thank you, bye everyone. Bye. bye. bye.